now, Brandon Thick Boy Shaw. Not only are you, do you have the the duties of being one of the top analysts, but you know you're still competing at the highest level, dude. So you're juggling both things. One of the things I love about talking to you, Brendan, is you're one of the few people who've done that job and then left it and then still know what it feels like, you know? And, um, yeah, I think that you also know you also competed in the UFC. So you know both worlds and a lot of people. There's a couple that have done it, but not a lot, you know, like a handful of us. Yes. And we all work together. Yeah. But the outside, like, world, fighters, um, uh, even fans, I mean, I've been doing TV for 10 years while I've been competing against the best guys in the world. And nobody, nobody knows that I'm doing two, two, three, four jobs while everybody else is just fighting. Correct. Like, uh, nobody knows that and it's just like, it's expected or something, or like, it's easy to do the TV job. And it's really not. It's cause they don't, they don't know anything else. I think they would notice if you were bad at it or if you messed up, then they would be privy to it. Like, man, why, why, you know, why is this happening? And then then they'd someone would have to explain well he's also training full time competing at a world championship level like oh that makes sense but because you're operating at such a high level it's almost like they're they're not privy to it you know what i'm saying like if something was slack and then the, those glaring holes would come out so it's kudos to you but then also our boy our mutual friend john anik you know i talk to john all the time and he was saying that you know i Everyone prepares, but he's like, nobody prepares like Dominic Cruz. He's like, as well, far as see, he would say that because he does prepare like me. We're the, we're two of the ones doing that at the same time. So thank you for, for mentioning Anna too, because you're right, uh, Brendan. He works. Have, have you seen him get ready, prepare? You've done some TV. Yes. Yeah, so much work. Dude. Absolutely nuts. But you, he said both do. Three days writing notes, you know? Yeah. You, but, but he said you're, you're the same, like the way you are very meticulous with your fighting career and everything that goes into that you're doing the same on the tv side he's like it's nuts because he goes you don't see that a lot usually those guys are so naturally gifted where they can kind of slack off and especially if they're still competing he's like dom is not that way and that's kudos to you that's why you're going to be successful no matter this tv stuff goes away fighting goes away you take that work ethic and you put it in any field i mean it, we're going sizzler daddy Thanks, Brendan. And that's what you've done. That's why I'm here on the show with you because you created this from scratch. Yeah. Kept going, kept going, kept going, even while everybody hates or whatever. Just keep making your way one foot in front of the other. And I think the reason I'm bringing this up is because you mentioned TV. I get a lot of, and then I said, I mentioned that a lot of athletes don't know what it is that, well, I get, I'll get questions from guys like at the PI, like, hey, uh, how do I get a, how did you get on TV? Like, how do I get a, a slot like that? And I think it's like, almost seem like if I just got there or something, Ooh. or if I just like, and it's like, I, I can remember driving three hours. Zach Candido had me do this. I don't know if he had anybody else do it, but it helped me prepare. So I'm grateful in the end, but I had to drive three hours to LA every weekend to do shooto fights, uh, to do color commentary for shooto fights. And I remember getting to those cards and you're in a little tiny room because the fights happen somewhere else. So you're in a room with a white, a whiteboard behind you and you're just, looking at this little TV for seven hours, uh, commentating. But the second you get there, the entire fight card changes. Boom. Dang. You don't know one person on the whole card and everybody speaks, everything's in Portuguese. <laughs> so I think it's when, when people ask me like at the PI, like, Hey, how do I get a TV slot? Oh, I immediately go all the way to that, to that yeah. time. Yeah. And I'm like, well, I mean, you could get a tryout and yeah. then, 
see what happens. I'm not going to say you're not going to be able to do it. Anybody can come do this, do a tryout. But I think the hard part is the work after that tryout is more than you might think. Like, oh, big it's time. a lot of work. To yeah. Do you're not just showing up on Saturday night and like, Hey, how's it going guys? You know, people don't, <laughs> people don't realize you're not just hanging out with the boys. Like you're doing a freaking fight campaign with me. Like there's a lot of work that goes into it. And then I think a lot of fighters, there's, there's some that can do it to the level of like you and a DC that it's far and few between. And I think they should just do the audition or just take the tryout, you know, and see how it goes. Yeah. Cause it's a lot tougher than you think it, it really is. And then I'll get off your nuts after this. But I remember when I was like, I always knew you were a beast, but I remember you and I were working on the Fox lot together. And I think it was like UFC tonight or whatever it was back then for Fox. And I remember the, the UFC, I forget what sponsor it was. It might've been Reebok or something like that, but I remember they wanted to put it on the set with us. And they were, and the big execs were in the room, and you were Ooh. not having it. And at the time, I was like, "Whoa!" I actually don't remember that. Oh, dude, it was so gangster. Yeah, it was. I think it, was, it might have been you, me, and Bisbing, or you, me, and Karen Bryant. I forget. And I just remember you're like, "Nah, man, nah, I'm not. Nah, it's not happening." You, you, like, because they they weren't paying the fighters yet, and you're like, "Until there's a deal in place, I don't want to associate." And I was like, "Yeah, yeah, me too." I just remember you were <laughs> you were like so adamant about it, and I was like, "Damn, like we're gonna get kicked out of here." But I that just changed my way of thinking. I'm like, "No, he's right, dude. He's right. Like they're eating all the pie, and then they want us to rep this stuff, but we're not benefiting from it." And I just remember going home. I remember to, <clears throat> my girlfriend at the time, my wife now. I remember going home and being like, "You should have seen Dominic Cruz, man." Like he was not having it. She's like, really? I'm like, yeah, I think they're going to fire me, but he's good. You know? <laughs> and that's what happened. <laughs> We've had some weird run-ins and I don't think it's really like getting on each other's nuts as much as dude, we're talking about past experiences that we've had with one another. It's like, it is what it is. Yeah. It's a respect. I, I think. Yeah. Yeah. I, don't, I mean, it can be, you can call it whatever you want, but I don't feel it that way. <laughs> oh no, I was just being silly, man. But yeah, I just, I'll never forget that. Like, I don't think people realize like on those Fox lots, like, when you're in there and all the executives in their suits stuff. and there's like, there's an entire team behind it. And usually you just, you know, you do your thing, but Don was not having, I was like, man, that is gangster, dude. I actually loved working at Fox with all those guys. You know, I, I did. They were a really cool crew, totally different from ESPN too. It's been cool to be with the UFC through that TV uh, thing too, because I've watched the sport grow with the TV. So I started, when I started fighting, it was on Spike on the Ultimate Fighter. Yep. That was it. And then I fought Demetrius Johnson on Versus. Yeah, so man. like nobody even saw that fight. That leads me to this. So you look, and you've been with the company so long, especially working not only as a fighter, but an analyst too. You know, you go through the verse, the Spike days, the Versus, the Fox Sports, now they're ESPN. The sport's gotten so big. Now you have two billionaires in Elon Musk and Mark Zuckerberg and Dana White kind of being the middleman there, being the Don King of it all. What you, I want your take on how you feel if it were to come to fruition. I don't think the fight actually happens, but if it did, do you, how do you feel about it happening in the UFC, Don? So this goes back to the DNA of us as humans. Like we all have fight in us. So like now with the internet it changes the fight game right because the fight game can be seen anywhere before it had to be a live event so the athletes had to be worth the live event and worth bringing everybody together but on the internet nobody has to leave their house nobody has to do anything so having a live event just needs to be entertaining people not an entertaining fight 
Mm-hmm. And that's what's interesting about this is Elon Musk and Mark Zuckerberg are two people who are, people are more fascinated with these human beings than most people in the world, not because of fighting, but just because of what they create, yeah, how they've created they are, and, yeah. and then how they've seemed to be on a side versus a side or people have attached to them to put them in a box to create them on a side. Correct. There's all this stuff. So once you create two sides, you have a competition. It's win and lose. Yep. Once you create a competition with people that everybody is interested in, and then you add the internet to it, it no longer needs to be two fighters. It just needs to be two entertaining people that can bring everybody together. Uh, and I think that to look past these guys because they're not fighters is crazy because of the internet. Now, if it wasn't for the internet, I would say, what are we wasting our time here? Let's use these live events for the highest level of athlete. But these guys like, they could add to it. You could throw them in there. You could do something like that. And we're talking about the highest, some of the highest political people in the world right now, whether they want to be or not, that's they are. where yep. they've been put by the human race. They're yep. just political entities in the world. Right. And then you think, what if you could get Donald Trump and Biden to fight? Like, even <laughs> if, even if that wasn't a pro fight and they're like a hundred years old, everybody on earth would tune into that. So now we're starting to look at the big, the big picture is just, it's always been about who would tune in. Why do you think slap fighting is doing so well? It's viral moment by viral moment caught on the internet because viral moments are all that matter. That's why off this, off this entire conversation, all you're going to do is take a 30 second blip. You're going to take a five second blip and that's all slap fighting has done. They've taken a full fight. Correct. They've taken a full fight companion. They've taken a full podcast and they've chopped up, the good bits and they put it out there for people to get hits on is it a good thing though dom like business wise it makes sense this is where mm-hmm. i'm at on it it part when it first got announced I was like this is insane man like what are we doing here like this is the road we're headed down i understand it and uh and part of me is like what the hell are we doing this is crazy you know how hard i had to work to fight in the ufc man just because these guys are billionaires now they just jump to the head of the queue part of that was in me now as I sit on it, I'm just like, oh, I would watch it. I get why people want it. I get why Dana White wants to be involved in it. He's a businessman. It's going to be the biggest fight of all time. The product we're going to get is going to be good. No, as far as we're concerned, as far as all the fights we've watched, it's going to be very low level fighting, which could be entertaining itself. But, and I, and so I, I get it's going to be, it's going to be the most watched fight of all time, be, even though it's not a high level fighting. So, so I, I have a, I have a love hate relationship with it. Completely get it, and I, I obviously I'd be into it if it does happen. But a part of me is like, does you know they were talking about it'd be on a, a on a UFC card, maybe it's the main event, and it's like, and they're like, yeah, I'd bring eyeballs to the other guys. I, I, that doesn't work for me. That doesn't really work like that. That narrative's never worked. Name the guy who fought before CM Punk, you know, or name the fight before James Tony Randy Couture. Did it help them? Well, I mean, the thing, yeah, but CM Punk got um, some of the most record pay-per-view buys in the history of pay-per-view fights. Correct, like, and it helped the no UFC. Fan. It helped the UFC. It helped. It helped Dana White, but did it help the the rest of the roster? Probably not. You know, but I don't have an issue with that. I'm just saying that argument really doesn't work for me to go. Well, if if Elon Musk is fighting and we put say Patty Pimlin underneath him, Patty's gonna get way bigger, gain more fans. I think that audience that's gonna tune in is going to tune in for that one like weird fight. And then they're not going to stick around for the sport. The majority aren't, there's not a chance, but I'm not even mad at that argument. I just, 
I just I don't know like if I look at the NFL, the NBA, they would never entertain this stuff. Now fighting's completely they couldn't, different. You couldn't put you couldn't put them in that's a game. So to be honest with that, if you're gonna compare it to basketball and football, you couldn't because that's a game and fighting is not a game. Fighting is like just what we are. Like fighting you anybody can do fighting. Not anybody can shoot a basketball and, and play football. They can though, also, Tom. They can. Anybody can throw football. Now, can they do it well? Can they do it like Tom Brady? Yeah. Absolutely not. Now, can Elon Musk throw a, a kick like Dominic Cruz? Absolutely not. But we're, but we're going back to the DNA, which is fighting is in our DNA since the beginning of time. Basketball and football is not. Mm-hmm. So, it, yeah, it's different there because that's a game that's been made up later in history. Fighting has been around since we were on this earth. For sure. Babies it, and fight. It's in our DNA. So, yeah. Everybody can tune and understand yeah. the fight and why we do it. Everybody. And even these two guys, I hear what you're saying, but I do somewhat, I do believe it will bring eyes. Like I just do. I mean, there's so many. Yeah, you're right. There's a lot that might say, oh, I watched that one fight. I'll never go back. But let's say the buys go up to a, you know, a, a record amount. How many, what's the percentage of those record amount that do stay because they have these types of fights? Yeah, like, even if it's yeah, 1% off, let's say does yeah. 15 million, 1% is a massive number that, of new fans. Yeah, that's yeah. all I'm looking at. And realistically, we, you, I look at it again like Joe Rogan. Like, all right, maybe Joe Rogan doesn't have the fight um, experience as an actual fighter. Maybe he doesn't um, have certain fight, you know, attributes as, as me and DC because we fought and we've been champions. Yes. But we need Joe Rogan there. We just need him there. He is one of the most listened to voices in the world. And, you know, even though I don't always agree with what he says in the booth, because we see the sport from different, we see the martial arts from a different angle. It doesn't mean that I don't believe I absolutely love to have him. Oh, his voice, his mindset, his questions. And even the fact that he doesn't know quite as much sometimes supports, I believe the audience. I agree. And I believe that watching Elon Musk and Biden fight and watching our uh, I don't think Biden's going to pass the physical, but yeah, carry on. <laughs> say, uh, Zuckerberg, Biden, I don't know. Yeah, I'm with the same guy. Anyway, um, <laughs> the, it, with those two guys fighting, I'm just like, man, like this is, this could really like just bring some weird things to the table, you know? Yeah, I just, I want like the can of worms is going to open. It's like, you know, what's next? It's already open. The internet opened the can of worms, not the, not the UFC. I agree. Yeah, yeah that's a fair point. You, yeah, you get some good uh, points here. And, and I, the, to argue on your side, too, again, I'm not anti these fights at all. I, again, I'm, I'm conflicted on it. You're helping me get to a, a different place, well, which is good. I think that what, what's putting you there is we don't need even to use the word argument because I don't really feel like you're arguing. No, I'm not arguing. I'm literally I'm, I, I think I'm having you talk me into it more. You know, but I, I also think, you know, if you look at the Jake Pauls of the world and the Logan Pauls, if you if you look at the numbers that they've brought into boxing, like boxing, you're getting my point. Yes. Yeah, boxing's getting more popular, and more popular, yes. and they can literally go back and see. Okay, well, when did Jake Paul and Logan Paul start fighting? Well, it's a this is a correlation exactly to these guys bringing a younger audience. Yep. So there's that. I, yeah. I really, I really believe that those guys doing this is huge for MMA. I really do. I mean, they didn't say they were going to have a, a a boxing match. They said they were going to have an MMA match. And yeah. Zuckerberg is practicing grappling. What was the last person, you know, big celebrity that focused on grappling and not, you know, boxing? It, it's been a, we haven't really. It's unprecedented. That, unprecedented that we've seen 
somebody at the people at this level push MMA, not boxing. Agree. MMA, not karate. MMA, not sitting at a Pistons game. MMA, not sitting at a football game. MMA, like <clears throat> it's a big deal. These guys, we need those guys talking about us. In my opinion, we need them pushing this. They are some of the highest political figures in the world, and politics is leading the world right now. And it's not necessarily always going in a uh, as anybody would agree, a perfect direction. So I think letting the world hash that out on a public forum with two people who don't fight, can't fight is almost like therapeutic. Yeah. The world. Yeah. How many people want to be in there doing that and can't. And because these guys are so rich and so have so much influence, they get the opportunity. You know how many veterans uh, in the military want to land on an aircraft carrier and take off on an aircraft carrier. They've been in the military their whole life and they'll never get that opportunity. Yeah. But because I'm with certain groups of people outside of the military, I can do that. I get that opportunity. Is that, does that mean that every serviceman and every military man means nothing? Or does it mean that I'm coming and serving and supporting and giving to the military? Yep. I mean, there's so many different avenues we could create this same uh, conversation on and say that I'm the one that's disturbing military, right? Because yeah. I'm not a military yeah, guy. Fair point. But realistically, it does nothing but serve. It's all just, we're all working together. We're all connected. Yep. And any differences we have with people, we all want to hash them out. That's the common ground we all have. We all want to hash them out. I think people don't fight about their issues enough. They sit on their issues. They stew about it. I I don't agree to disagree anymore. I just disagree and want to kill you. And I hate you. Yeah, and it's like, why agreed. can't I disagree? Why can't I agree to disagree? And then if we need to fight about it, we can fight about it. And then it can be done. And you know this, you know, being fighting in the UFC and same thing. Like, and I think a lot of people that have never fought are surprised by this. Like when you get done with that fight, win or loss, however it went, you hug each other in the back. You're like, dude, that was great. Cause you have this weird like bond and not too many people in the world realize the sacrifices you made just to get to the octagon, what the, all the pressure you had to deal with. So you have this weird bond, like even guys who didn't like me going into the fight afterwards, like, what's up, man, you all right. And we're hugging. And it's just like, there's this bond. So I guarantee you, obviously Elon, Mark Zuckerberg are, you know, who knows where they fly as far as politically, but no matter what happens after that fight, I guarantee they embrace each other and they're probably closer from it. And who knows what maybe now, maybe they work together after this. Maybe like, man, that was crazy. We did it. And then they start working together. You're getting my point. And then it's better for everybody. I really do believe that it can create a a really good thing. And I mean, it it really could, these guys could fighting, you know, like you just said, you hug in the back and, Think of the avenue of the average person who looks at the pro fighter and says, yeah, that's how a pro fighter handles it. I could never do that. Now you got two people who aren't pro fighters and they're proving, yes, you could. And now we get to see and hear from their perspective. I haven't done an eight week camp or 12 week camp. I haven't been training my entire life for this. I don't have the skills to do this. How do I feel and how do I look after this fight? Oh, I look like crap. My head hurts. My nose is bleeding. It's broken. I got to go get a new nose job now. Like, I blew my knee out in the second round. Did you tough it out? Do you have that in you, even though you're not a pro fighter? Yep. Who knows what we could see? Like, yep. does he just fail, break his toe and say, ah, I tap, I'm done. And then we find out why we have pro fighters. Maybe that makes us look better. Yep. Like there's so many avenues this could go. I'm glad this has happened. Yeah, that's a fair point. And what's to wrap up on, on this whole kind of, uh, 
as people would say, spectacle or a gimmick fight, which, you know, to each its own, people forget this could have happened a long time ago, not at the Elon and Mark Zuckerberg level, but Joe Rogan and Wesley Snipes were down to fight. And like Dana was about to make it happen. This is back in the day, dude. Dana almost fought Tito Ortiz in a boxing match. That's true. Dana Tito Ortiz on, was first. Like, but even before is, that, this stuff was, has happened before. Yeah, even and it just was it was unheard of. So no one like really wanted to jump the ship there. But yeah, Wesley Snipes was down. Rogan was completely down. And I don't think Wesley realized how down Rogan was. Rogan was like hundred percent in, and he's like, "Whoa, take it easy, man." Yeah, he's about to he's about to knock out Blade. So we've seen how that Dude, goes. If he came out of Blade, I would be too hyped. I would be the most hyped human being on earth. Oh, if I'd probably Blade fought Joe Rogan. Oh, and Rogan's, Rogan's one of my best friends, but I love Blade. I've been like, but Dude. if he came out as Blade, oh, like, so sick. Oh, I'd, I'd be so hyped with the glasses and oh, through the glasses and that the bullshit haircut out the back. Yeah. Um, but on on the real fights, I mean this 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 weekend is a big one. It's a good card, man. It's a really good card. That main card is stacked, and obviously you've been just deep into it. Um, obviously there's been a change as of yesterday. You got, uh, Bo Nickel, uh, got a, his opponent pulled out and they put in that Val Woodburn, I think Woodburn in the seven. Yeah, I, couldn't get, I couldn't find much on him, man. Seven and oh, I, he was supposed to go in on the regional circuit. And then he was going to do Dana White's contender series, but then like, Hey, forget Dana White contender series. Here's Bo Nickel. This is my take on it, Dom. And you know, if, if I'm sure you've probably looked into it more than I have, but at the level Bo Nickel is at, I, it doesn't matter who they put in there right now until he gets to the top 15, top 10, even top five. I'm not too concerned about anybody because I think he's such an outlier. He's one of the biggest prospects that we've ever had, especially only being, was he 4-0, 5-0? To, to see the level he's at and the way he's able to mix things together, like DC would probably be the next close example, but even DC it took a little time. The fluidity I see in Bo Nickel, I'm like, man, this dude is a is a super is a super talent, man. And obviously, you're always breaking down film and stuff. My question for you would be, what holes do you see in Bo Nickel's game? Because all we do is talk about how great he is. I'm a big, big Bo Nickel fan. I do think he's to be world champion, but there 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 has to be some stuff that you see with your you know expert eye where you're like, he needs to work on this. Or it could get dicey for him at the top. Well, yeah, that I could give you that, but I think you have an expert eye too. So why don't you go first and tell us what you see are his holes, and then I'll I'll tee on that. Yeah, I I think the biggest thing would be you know, as far as liability, as far as him when he does get to that upper echelon, would be his striking right now. His striking overall, it's looked good against lower competition. I think he's gonna he, he does get a little wild, so I think you'd have to button that up, get a little more techno, a little more controlled. I do like the way he's mixing things up. To say he's a blue belt's hilarious. You know, you look at his transitions and his inverted triangle. Um, so I think he is going to have to rely he more heavily on his wrestling because there's not there's not enough hours in the day for him to get even close to the level of a Izzy's at on the feet. You know, so I I think he is going to have to really focus on his MMA wrestling and and looking for those finishes. Especially when he once he gets to the upper echelon guys, because because the the striking again, there's not enough hours in the day, there's not enough weeks for him to make up that gap. He's gonna have to find what he does well, kind of like. And I'm not saying at Khabib level where you know Khabib's just rushing for the takedown, but I think he's gonna have to get comfortable enough, but know that that's his his way to the belt is gonna be through his wrestling. I hate when these top level grapplers and wrestlers fall in love with striking. And then they get to the upper echelon and, you know, it's not going to happen for him. 
Yeah, I think that Bo won't be that guy. He's too smart with the squad and the team he has around him to not use his wrestling and yep. just fall in love with striking. Like yep. he's got a very good I think a lot of it has to do with the crew people you have around you. My guy Roman Bravo Young has a super strong crew around him. And I notice it's a similar crew as Bo Nickel. <clears throat> they keep very solid leaders around, like extremely solid leadership is the biggest thing I notice about that crew that makes him so, that makes all those guys so successful. They're not doing things on their own. They're not making all these decisions on their own. They're, they're letting, they're handing these decisions over to leaders that make decisions for them and tell them what to do so they can torture themselves. And that's why they're so good. And he does that. And so with that crew one, I see that being a huge advantage for him because he listens to his leaders. He's not making his own camp. He's not running his own show. That's a huge, huge thing for him. Also, they're not giving him fights. And this is how I came up in my career when, when they didn't have matchmakers really, and they didn't have managers and you were just trying to book your own fights and call the matchmakers yourself. In my day, I always had a rule where I would just, the rule was as long as they don't have three fights more uh, than me in experience, three fights, I guarantee you I'll beat their ass because <laughs> There's just like the experience is all that I need to make sure I have. It's not even their tools. Yep. It's the experience that matters uh, because of the athlete that I am is how my mindset works. And so I know for him, he's not getting booked with guys th more than three fights. And I, that means that this person that he's fighting, regardless of any tool set that they have, doesn't have any more experience than him. So it's hard to beat somebody like an athlete like Bo Nickel with the leadership and the qualities that, that he forces himself into regularly. It's hard to beat a guy like that when you, when you don't have more experience and more ideas on how to beat somebody that's a better athlete yeah. uh, at, the, at, a, at the start, right? Like if you, if you had two cars, how much of a, of, a, of, a, of a lead would we give that other car yeah, at, exactly. the, at the start? That's a great point. And, and they have the same amount of races, right? So I kind of look at it that way. And then I think, okay, you're talking about him getting into the top five, the top 10, Bo Nickel, and uh, that you said, I think that he could use some pickup on the striking. And he, I don't want him to fall in love with the striking too much and get away from his grappling and his wrestling is what I heard. So I think that I go back to experience because each of these fights that he has, he's going to learn those things. So each fight you have, each camp you have, and I know you can attest to this, you learn something different in that camp. It's a weird learning you get, either a new move or, or a new realization that I, you know, I got to get up from here or something. And I think that each fight that Bo Nickel has, he's going to have a new progression in his game where he realizes, man, I got knocked out last week. Man, I got submitted last week. I need to fix this. I need to fix that. When you look at guys like that, you got to look at their experience level and their results and understand they're going to adapt probably faster than somebody with the same amount of fights as them because Correct. of their past history. Mm -hmm. So if you just match him up with somebody with the same amount of fights, he's pretty, he's the chances here. are usually yeah. in his favor. You don't even need to worry about this skill set because the tools offset each other with the amount of wrestling he has. So yeah, he doesn't have the re the striking. Why do so many wrestlers fall in love with striking? Because so many guys stop their takedowns yep. because it's hard. They know it's coming. So then they start, all right, I got to get my striking better. They start getting their striking better. They knock somebody out. They forget to go back to what opens up the wrestling, which is the striking. Striking nice. opens up the wrestling. Yep. It's not striking just to strike. It's striking to open up the wrestling. So I think that as Bo Nickel progresses, these are the things that 
they're just going to come natural to him because of the athlete he is, the leadership he has, the people they're going to bring in, the experience, the level of fighter he's going to fight. They're not going to give him too much, too fast. Uh, and I think that's what's going to happen with Bo Nickel. Yeah, I, I think the UFC is doing a good job because back in the day, you know, it's kind of like, hey, man, you know, you're going to get eaten alive. If you can't hang, what what can we do? You don't belong here. Now they're, they've done a lot better job with guys like Sugar Sean O'Malley, with Patty Pimlet, yeah. um, you know, and now with Bo Nickel. They're kind of, they're growing these guys the right way. The fan base can get behind them. And then also these guys, which you made a great point, is they're getting the skill set in the in the training camps, even though it might not be the toughest fight for them, and they might yeah. win in a minute. It's the valuable lessons and experience they're getting that in those training camps, which is priceless. So that yeah, they're they're not getting all the experience in the octagon because they're beating these guys in a minute or two minutes. Yeah. But those training camps is where they're building those tools. So when they do have to, you know, use those assets, they're going to be there. So that's the biggest key there. And kudos to the UFC. They because I think they pushed Darren Till too fast. You know, they pushed him too fast. We saw how that worked out for him. They pushed other guys too fast. Uh, Sage Northcutt. You know, it's like damn man. If they could have just slowed down for that kid. It's a marathon, not a sprint. If we just slowed down, I think he could have a better career. We're seeing one championship. Things are going better for him now. But even with me, it was like I remember, you know, you say a guy has three, three you won't fight a guy with three or more fights when you're coming up. I had four fights, and then, you know, it's just the way it works. An ultimate fighter, I'm fighting Roy Nelson who has 35 fights. I have four. You know, and, and I knew the experience was going to be an issue there. And then shortly after that, I'm fighting a Gabriel Gonzaga with 20-something fights, and I have seven at the time, you know, but – that experience is so valuable, man. It, it's everything with these vets in there at a high level. So I think Bo Nickel's going to be able to, as you said, his skill set, he's so athletic, and the training camps, he's going to pick that up. But I, I'm so high on Bo Nickel, man. I, I just think I think he's the next great white hype, man. There's not a lot of white guys doing it out there, and he's one of my faves. He's fun to watch. He's fun to watch. And, you know, I love that this fight got pulled from him on short notice, and he's got to adapt and cry and be sad and be scared because – Welcome to MMA. Yeah. Everything is not every, I mean, I can remember showing up to fights and weighing in and the guy just doesn't even show up to the scale. And <laughs> I'm ready. And like, like, what are we doing no guys on the scale? And I just go home and get drunk. Like, yep. yeah, I just went and did a full camp to go get hammered with my friends at the, <laughs> yeah, and at the yeah. after party because you can rip though at the after party. Uh, the guy didn't show up. You yeah. Know? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So welcome to MMA, Bo Nickel. Glad you're here with us. Yeah. Welcome to the highest level, dude. It's fighting. <laughs> and then the, the, the rest of the card, uh, now I was I was talking about this card on Monday, especially in the main card. A lot of it is heavy favorites. I think it's gonna be a great card, but if it goes according to Vegas, you're gonna get a landslide of victories. Uh, it, it's like the the Whitaker Duplessis fight. I get why the UFC is doing, especially in the middleweight division. Izzy needs fresh meat. Like we we got to find out that we need more contenders for Izzy. You know to sell those pay per views because he's beat everybody else. But the one guy, you know, if, if they want Duplessis to fight for that title shot, I think they gave him the worst matchup possible in Robert Whitaker. I just, when I look at the skill sets, I look at their previous fights, you know, Robert Whitaker doesn't lose to anybody not named Izzy. He's not lost a fight since 2014, but to Izzy Adesanya. So when I look at Duplessis, I just don't see how he gets it done. Am I off on that, Dom? Do you, do you, do you see a path for him? I think it, there's two ways to look at it. Are we looking at it from the scope of the fighters or the scope of the UFC? Man, that's a good question. Uh, I, w I would say, I would say 
a little bit of both. If you're looking from a fighter standpoint, pick one. We can't ride the fence on this one. Let's look at it from the fighter standpoint. All right, from the fighter standpoint, the way that Duplessis gets this done against Alexander, that's the question. No, against Robert Whitaker. Against Robert Whitaker. Um, well, there's ways to get it done. Can he? Yeah. I mean, anybody. Yeah, we we know. Like, I mean, you're winning a fight until you're not. That's happened so many times we can't even count. You know. Um, all the way to Pete Cell pretending to get hit and then yeah. knocking me out with an overhand right. Like yep. this is MMA, right? So let's not sleep on that one with Whitaker and Duplessis. Anything can happen. We, you can go with that. Anything can happen, but you know. With that. But now if we went to the odds and like how this fight could go, I mean, I see the left hook of Whitaker being nasty. The lead, the lead hand of Whitaker is his best weapon. The thing about Duplessis is he has a lot of feints and a lot of fakes and he wrestles enough. Closing the distance is going to be the problem. Uh, against Whitaker because he's got such good footwork and he, good. he does that back step real nasty to hit you with the hook. So if you come forward hard, he's got a back step left hook. If you stay where you're at, he's got a nasty lead right hand, nasty lead right hand, right kick. He's got a nasty left hook, left kick, and everything kind of flows and merges together to where if you try to get off the center line on him, he loops around with kicks. And if you stay on this center line, he hits you with a hook or a straight. So you have to wrestle. So how do you get into the pocket unless you have jabs and unless you can beat the jab and the lead hand of Robert Whitaker? The lead hand and the pressure, forward pressure. Duplissy has to have forward pressure the whole time. He has to always beat the lead hand of Whitaker. The stance switch is going to help him beat up the lead leg of Whitaker on the inside. That will help take away a lot of the the stuff that he leaps forward because he's mm -hmm. got a very wide stance Whitaker. And so these are the things he can do to win. I mean, this is game plan wise, tactics, structures. If you had to look at odds, I mean, yeah, I agree. Whitaker's probably the favorite. Um, the but minus I don't 450, Dom. Minus 450. He's the favorite, but I mean, I think he can, he can get it done. That's the thing. But now if we look at it, that's why this fight's happening. You also need to move. You also need to give Whitaker another shot. You just have to Correct. because of how well he's done in his last. He's finishing people and he's looking good, right? He looks amazing. So he's, yeah, he's sick. He's getting better. He's also improving. He's not looking the same. So now you're like, okay, he's improving. He's knocking people out. He's winning. He beats Duplessis. Now we've got somebody that can, all right, he's gotten better. Look at these highlight reels that he's had since that fight. Now we're going to make this rematch. Now look at it bigger. Like who's, who's fan base can fill a stadium out more Duplessis and, and uh Stylebender or Whitaker Stylebender. Um, I mean, depends where they do it, right? Like one's from South Africa. I mean, Izzy's from Africa. How many times have we been to South Africa? I mean, zero. Okay. So who's <laughs> going to have the, so if we're looking at this from the UFC standpoint, yeah, why Whitaker. is this fight happening? Yeah. 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 I mean, Whit Whitaker Izzy is the biggest live gate of all time. That's it. So there we go. So now we know why Duplessis Whitaker's happening. Does it have anything to do with the odds? No, absolutely not. Yeah, that, what does it have to do care. with? What does it have to do with? I mean, it has, to, it has to do with selling tickets, putting butts in seats. Fifty-five thousand in a stadium is what it has to. Yeah, do exactly. With. Fifty-five plus thousand, and that's what we're talking about. So why are the odds so crazy? Well, fifty-five thousand in a stadium sounds pretty appealing to the UFC, but also it's a good fight, and also you can. You can say Whitaker's earned it, and you can you can say that he. I want to see that fight again, anyways. I think that Whitaker made some adjustments. I think that he's got a smart team that, and that they can come up with a game plan to make that fight closer. And that fight between him and Stylebender, that knockout was one of the most 
oh. incredible knockouts I've ever seen. And I would love to see, you know, Whitaker be able to get a shot at that again, because I think he's incredible fighter and, uh, I just, I just like him, so I, I like it. Yeah, he's one of my favorites. But also to uh, piggyback on that, if Duplessis beats Whitaker, he deserves it, man. I think that's also where the UFC's at too. Like, yeah, oh, man, yeah. you beat Whitaker, you're the guy, 100. percent You're getting a title shot. Well, that, that's the other thing. So you got to win-win. Who you're saying is a 400 under, and he's from South Africa. Now you have another guy from South Africa, from from that area, yep. right? That can that you can piggyback that whole area of the world with. Yep. So it's genius. It is. And it, and, it, and it all works out. And it's a win, 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 win situation, no matter who wins or loses. And if Duplessis wins, we get an unbelievable win that nobody expected. So that's another win on top of a win. Yep. And the hype going into that with Duplessis. Yeah, I get it. And now he's built and now he's ready. And now everybody's on his train because he just beat Whitaker. So yeah, that's the that it makes sense to me. Me too, across the board. And then uh, the closest fight on the card is Bram Moreno versus Pantoja. And I think Pantoja is one of the most skilled guys not to be a UFC champion. He is such a savage to me. I think people sleep on him. I do think you know, he's a guy people forget. He beat Mach, he, you know, he's Machchev's one loss. I don't think a lot of people don't remember that. He, he's the guy that knocked out Machchev. Um, you know, so for for Pantoja He's a guy that has two wins over Brandon Moreno, but I just when it, when I when I look at their skill set and I look at things, if you're a Brandon Moreno fan, which I am, he's one of my favorite fighters. Where this fight gets tricky for him is you'll see Brandon will give up his back sometimes if he gets taken down in the transitions, he'll give up his back and hand fight and stand up. Very wrestler of him, even though he doesn't have a wrestling background, he'll hand fight and give up his back. With Pantoja, that is trouble, man. At the level he's at with his grappling, you know, when if he even sees a a slither to get your your neck, he's gonna do it. Pantoja is a bad mamma jamma. Now I do think Bram Moreno wins. I think it's by decision. And people say, yeah, but he's he's zero two against the guy. How's he gonna get it done? If you look at when last time they fought, and obviously they, he lost to uh, Pantoja in the Ultimate Fighter in the house. But if I look at their growth and who's gotten better and also just Bram Moreno's mindset as a champion now and the awards he had with Figueredo, it's just like, I just think Bram Moreno has that swagger about him. He's gotten better since they fought. I think Pantoja has always been damn good and maybe he's gotten 5% better, but I think Bram Moreno, you're talking leaps and bounds better since last time they fought and that'd be the difference. We'll find out, but I, I do think Bram Moreno has gotten better since they fought. Yeah, I think they haven't. What I like is that the division is being talked about. I think that's most important. You got to, you got to, and that's what I got to give kudos to as, as Brandon Moreno as champion. I don't think people in the sport talk enough about champions and what a, what is a good champion versus a champion who's not doing their job. Mm -hmm. That's my question. Is there a standard for that? Does anybody know what that looks like? Or does it, does anybody care? When I look at Brandon Moreno, he's a true champion. And what I mean by that is he's fighting um, when he's healthy. Like if you're healthy, you fight and he is, and if you're hurt, you fix it and you come back. But even if you're hurt or if you're healthy, no matter what, you're building the division. And what I mean by building the division is you're talking about other guys in the division. You're, you're keeping your mouth open about other guys in the division, about whether you're talking trash about them or talking them up. Like that's the job is I'm at the top and how do I build the rest of the division and not just, uh, compete against me and show why I'm the best, but also 
How do I build the rest of the division to beat me? How do I build the rest of the division to be so much better than me that the division rises because I've been involved in yeah, the evolved. sport? Yeah, it's a great point. Yeah, heavy lies the ground. That's to me what a champion is about. And then another level of that is, are you, who are you making a difference for uh, as that champion? Who are, like, look at Muhammad Ali. The guy, you know, just, it wasn't just about him ever it was about him and then he stood for what he stood for for many it wasn't just like i do this for me it was like and that's why he's held on a platform that's one of the best champions that ever lived was because he wasn't just a selfish me 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 guy i mean i think that's that's i mean to correlate on that i think it's too like when you talk about the smaller weight classes you and uriah faber did a lot of that man like you guys are the face of it I appreciate that, and I, and I do, but I'm really talking about Moreno on this one because we've got a division and 125 pounds that's similar to 135 where we needed, you needed somebody to, you needed a rivalry. You needed somebody yeah. to just create it and make it like a talked about remembrance thing. And right now, M- Moreno's creating those fights. He's creating that legacy for the division. But, but also think about this, Tom. Hate to interrupt you, but also think about this. Not only is he doing it just for that 125-pound division, he's also putting Mexico on the map. He yep. has the entire nation of Mexico on his back, and now you have these other with Alessa Grasso, and then you have Yair Rodriguez. So they have three Mexican champions, which is nuts, dude. Nuts. So and it, Now, here's another thing. He's gotten given the entire world as a champion coming from nothing. And what has he done with it? Has he you know, ran off and become a alcoholic and just ruined his whole life. Has yep. he continued to fight, continued to build the division, stand for his family, be a man that's being a human for the world? Or are you just trashing everything? I'm the best living on Agreed. top of life. Going into movies. You can't touch me. None of you can touch me. Yep. None of you can be as good as me. I am it. I am the most dangerous man in the world. And nobody can, like, I've been ranked number two in the pound for pound list before. And the only person I was behind was Demetrius Johnson that I had beaten. Yeah. So should I run, should I have been running around, you know, saying that I'm smack, uh, yeah. the greatest gift from heaven and stop making a difference for my family and the people around me, or just care about myself and what I can get, or just say, you know what? I'm leaving the division. You guys could never be as good as me. Like, yep. Why are we doing that? Why are we killing a division? Do you really need it that bad? Do you really need to be the best so bad that you'd kill everybody behind you just to say I'm the best and the rest of the division and the UFC will never exist again except for you? Is that what this being a champion is about? Now, when, when, when you give that example, Don, would you say you're alluding to like a Conor McGregor tendencies? You know, like no? I don't have any one person. You got how many years of champions yeah. that have done both sides of this story? And my question is, as a champion, what is important to you to choose? Which which version and why? Yeah, I, I think what Brand Moreno is doing, and I don't know if you spent time with Brandon, he has to be one of the nicest people on the freaking planet, man. This dude yeah, is just nice a, such a good person. Like kids, you want your? Would you want your kids following him? Hundred percent. My kids look up to him. They're half Mexican, for God's sakes. You're making a difference for a bigger, a bigger thing yeah. with you, with who you're being, not what you're doing. Yeah. And I respect that about Brandon Moreno. It's his way of being is being carried as a true professional, as a true champion, as a true human being for the people. And coming from Mexico, that makes me, you know, him coming from Mexico and me being a Mexican descent and half white half mexican on my dad's side and my mom's white and english and irish and 
having that mixture, like it makes me proud to see a, a Mexican champion just be so wholesome and so real and so for the people and such a good, you know, keeping this stuff together. Now, is he as famous as, as a Mike Tyson? No. no. And then you go, well, why? Well, Mike Tyson, I mean, that's like anybody who lights a house on fire, everybody's going to go run and watch it. Yep. You know, that was when Mike Tyson was at his peak, it was a burning house. He admits that it was just havoc, you know? Yep. And so he got so much to him and so much attention. And one of my favorite quotes of Mike Tyson was, God will teach you a lesson by giving you everything you ever wanted. Yeah. That's, uh, that's one of my favorite quotes by Tyson. He's so smart from, from having and lived that life. Now look at the type of champion he's transitioned to as an older man. Agree. Have you ever, Brent, have you done a show, Dom? Have you ever done hot boxing? I have, I have not. I've watched it. Oh, we got to make that happen. Like, I know, I know his team like, well, you and him together. I like, his, I like seeing his brain. I like seeing where he was because I can relate. And I like seeing where he's at because he's giving now. He's doing nothing but giving. You and him, like two of the greatest minds in the fight game of all time. You and him got to get together, man. That would be Oh, I would, I would love to. He's, he's, so, he's such a wise guy because of his street smarts and what he's been through in his career. And that's kind of another way of what I'm alluding to, Brandon, is like, look at who he's shifted into. Yeah. Like, if this was the person at the top, could he have been at the top? I wonder. I wonder what he would say. Yeah. Could this person he's being, could he be both? Yeah. Could he be this person he is today? And could he still be that killer? And can humans access both sides like that? Is that possible? That's a, I, I, and f looking at him, especially the way he was in that, how ferocious and mean he was. And you look at some of his press conferences, like, I'm going to eat your children. You're like, Jesus Christ, man. He had to so get to that level. So what if he could level. be that in the fight? And then he leaves and he comes in a podcast and go, look, I know I said that the other day, guys, but. You know, that was just my fighting self. The real self is who you're looking at now. Yeah, I don't this know. Is, like, imagine like, I know. how powerful of a human being that would be. The differences he's making now because he's he's not just about, you know, eating people's children yeah, anymore. He's giving, yeah. he's making a difference. He's not talking crazy, as crazy. You know, he's he's giving. So I respect Brandon Moreno and the hundred what he's doing for the 125-pound division because he, he's laying a beautiful legacy of, you know, you can respect the legacy he's creating and the type of human he's being. Do you not, think he gets it done, Dom? Point. You think he gets it done this weekend? I mean, I, you probably can't pick because you got to work the fights. But you uh, yeah, well, no, I, I I'm actually uh, on ESPN, so I'm doing the pre and post fight show. This oh, time. so you're gonna have to pick on there, right? Gonna have to pick, yeah. Um, I like Moreno on that one. I think his left, I think, I think his lead hand can get it done. His his best weapon is his lead hand. I know that sounds weird, but when I've sparred him. I've worked with him. Oh, really? Yeah, I've gotten a, I've gotten a train with him, and it's it's tricky. It, his left hand, he holds it down and he waves it down at his waist yeah, like he's this. Doing this, yeah. And it's like it can come up, it can come around, it can come over, or it can come straight. There's four different directions, and then he's he's quick, man, and he's tricky. So like it's deceptive, and his his arms are longer than you than you like. It's like one of those inspector gadget arms, kind of really? like Rob Font. Yeah. Like you're in there and you don't realize until you're getting your face jabbed off that, well, he's got that little extra inch that you're not used to feeling that adjustment. Like usually I'm out of the way. That's, that's touching me now. But he's touching, um, yeah. So it's weird. He's got a weird, and then he's good with his lead leg too. So, and then the, the, the thing that, that makes it tough is the grappling. Pantoja's grappling, uh, I do believe is, is better. Like just Me more too. fundamentally sound is what I mean. More fundamentally sound. And I also think Pantoja in the chaos, he excels in the chaos. 
if that makes sense like when the when the house is on fire pantoja does very very well in that where he's looking for opportunities to get your neck get a leg get an ankle i think when 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 the chaos is happening he just has a slight edge over moreno in that chaos yeah, I'm hearing like you like Pentoja's decision making skills yeah, a little man. bit more. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, in that chaos, in that hectic kind of uh fight booth. But I, but I, I do think, think that's Moreno why because when, when you watch Figueiredo versus Moreno, you see that he, in that place he thrived as well. So Correct. that's why this fight is so fun. Yeah, I can't wait. I can't wait. All, all Spanish fighters, Mexican fighters want that. We're good in that. Yeah, hell yeah, so you guys are. Historically, you just are. Yep. It's just the way what you guys is. do, man. And then the it's main weird. in the main event, you got Yair Rodriguez versus um, Alex Volkanovsky. <clears throat> Tell me if I'm off on this, Dom. When I watched the Volkanovsky Makachev fight, after that fight, I had so much respect for Alex. I'm like, oh, I can't believe he, he went toe-to-toe with that guy. That's insane. And then after I went, there's not a 145-er on this planet who can beat Alex Volkanovsky. After watching, I'm like, there's no way. If, if he was able to do that to Makachev, win some rounds, some people thought he won the fight. That's up for debate. But just the way he performed against a bigger guy in Makachev who's so goddamn dominant, I thought 145 screwed. And that's not a knock on Yair. That's not a knock on all these other guys. I just don't see anybody beating Volkanovski. After watching Holloway fights, what, 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 the, the body of work that he's put in, I think he's the best to ever do it at 45. I will say, uh, yeah, I mean, you can't really. How can you argue that at this point with what he's done? He's, his, his record and the people that he's beaten shows that. Um, but if I look at, you know, habits make styles and styles make fights. And I always say that. And what are the habits of Rodriguez versus the habits of Volkanovski? Well, the habits of Volkanovski are to stay standing and switch stance and stay on the outside and play that game and stuff takedowns. Uh, Makachev is get on the inside, force takedowns, and keep you there. Yep. So what we know about those habits is how do those habits line up? We know if Makachev can't get him there and keep him there, he's not comfortable. And we know... Volkanovski can stop from being there and stay on the outside, he'll do well. He was able to do that more. The question is, how does the, how do those habits line up with the Rodriguez who doesn't care to take you Yeah, down, man. Who doesn't care to wrestle you and only wants what Volkanovski chooses, which is free-flowing outside movement, switching stance. And he's the shorter fighter. And if you watch Rodriguez versus Emmett, Emmett is the perfect build and body type to prepare for the next fight against Volkanovski. Correct. Same height. Same stature, same strength, same durability, same neck, same no neck, yep. all that stuff, yep. right? So now you look at Volkanovski and Emmett's skills and habits. Well, Emmett's not quite as, not even quite as fundamentally sharp with his striking as Volkanovski. So Volkanovski has the edge in that against uh, Emmett, Emmett, I'd say, like yeah. in, in the striking. So now he, that's why this fight's happening because you got a guy that can he stand with the Rodriguez? Because he will. Can he stand with them or will he do what everybody's done to Rodriguez, which is will he become the Makachev and put him on the fence and grind him into the floor? Because that's what everybody's done when they've beaten Rodriguez. They get tired of getting kicked and hit and they finally pressure him. They put him on the fence and they melt him down into the corner. And while he's going for arm bars, omoplatas, and triangles, they're keeping his head down in the cubby and they're just stalling out the rounds while they're punching him. I mean, I could see Volkanovski. Look at what he did to Ortega in that position. I think he punched in the guard straight for like a minute Correct. and a half, two minutes after getting out of two submission attempts and had no, no air or blood to his head. Correct. So if he, is he cool with being on top of you in the guard? 
more than cool. He's actually thriving and comfortable there. So my question is, can Rodriguez stop Volkanovski from taking him down? Can he stop Volkanovski from pushing him back? Can he stop Volkanovski from keeping him on the fence? Because that's what Makachev did to Volkanovski, and that's how Volkanovski beat Makachev. Basically, I see it as Rodriguez needs to follow what Volkanovski did with Makachev. Yep. And he and Rodriguez needs to fight that style and then let his hands go once he stuffs all the grappling attempts of Volkanovski. If he can stop every grappling attempt, every time Volkanovski tries to grab him, every time he tries to put him on the fence, he can untie and get back to the center. Every time he takes him down, he can escape. Enough of those, you're going to be forced to stand with Rodriguez for a long fight, and those little things can get in, the body kicks, the speed. Uh, he's so fast in those first two rounds, and I, I think he's the fastest in the whole division in those first two rounds. I think the most dangerous, um, too. As far as like, putting your lights out with speed, yeah, that that's the X factor there. If if he can't stop that, the kind of the grappling onslaught of Volkanovski, yeah. it just the more time that that Alex is spending in the middle of that octagon, the more chances he has of getting knocked out. Exactly. And if Volkanovski gets him down early, it's the opposite. Exactly. It goes the other way. Yep. You take away his early speed. You take away his early finish Drain power. His energy. And now in the third, fourth, fifth round, you have a much easier to deal with Rodriguez. If you look in the in the results, this yep. isn't a fact. This is if you look at past habits, past results, that's what you'd be looking at on the film. Yep. It doesn't mean that's the, the Rodriguez we're going to see, though. True. Yeah, it's a fascinating fight. Fascinating fight. Could be a rough night for Mexico if Yair and Brandon Moreno were to lose. It could happen, but. I don't know if you can make a rough night for Mexico. True, unless Canelo were to lose in some weird fashion. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if you can stop Mexico. There's no such thing as a rough night. Mexico, that, you're, just, you're just in Mexico, bro. Yeah, yeah you're still Mexico <laughs> Coronas, man. You're good. Um, I'll get you out of here soon, brother. You had a you had a fan drive you home or drive you to the airport in Jacksonville. How that about, was super cool, man. What the hell? The How hell that come about? Well. You know, so I was in Jacksonville and I get there and Niner, one of the producers, one of the guys that works the desk for me and like traffics us and all that stuff when I'm doing color, he goes, Hey man, I got, just booked my flight. And I'm like, how'd you book your flight? What do you mean you booked your flight? He's like, yeah, I'm out of here right after the show. There's a six, there's a seven o'clock. I'm like, what? So boom, I jump on the phone. I get on it before the show even starts. I book my flight to leave directly after the show. Tight move. So finish TV. Ooh, sprint. I got to run. I got to get to my car, get to the hotel. So I sprint to the car with Anik. He drives me in his minivan with his kid's car seats. We <laughs> drops me off at the hotel. It's hilarious. Drops me off at the hotel in his suit. Later, man, run up, pack my stuff, throw it into the car, get to the airport, make it. And the only reason I can get to the car and make it is because of this fan. So I'm running out and I'm like trying to get this Uber and I'm like, shit, it's going to take eight minutes. I'm like behind. I'm like cutting it as close as possible to make this flight. I mean, we had a hard six out on TV and my flight boards at seven. So I had to leave in my suit, get all the way. I started to pack my bag, everything, get to the hotel, pack my bag, then get to the airport. If this fan didn't save me that 10 minutes by being like, Hey, you know, can I get a picture? Real quick. I gotta go though. I'm in a hurry. I'm trying to get this Uber. He's like, Oh, I'll give you a ride. I'm like, really? It's like, yeah, no problem. I'll take you right to the airport. We're only 10 minutes away. I got you. And I was like, yes. Type all right. Dude. Let's go. You're my Uber. What do you need from me? And I signed all the stuff he needed, gave him a video, whatever he needed. And he ended up being a veteran. Oh, sick. Now was that 10 minute drive? You breaking down UFC 290 though? 
you know what I'm saying? It's like, you're going to, you're going to pay one way or the other, man. You know, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's great. Exactly. dude. How, uh, I'll get you out on this. How, how, how you feel about Henry Cejudo, uh, dipping out of the, the fight with, uh, with Aljo. I'm, I'm sorry. With, with Cheeto. Um, I want to ask you what you think first. I think I heard rumblings early on. I, I know his team where he never, he never signed the contract. He never uh, said, yes, let's do this. And, you know, the UFC is going to UFC, and they're like, no, this is the fight. This is what we're doing. Cheeto wants to do it, and he's down. And they announced it, and Cejudo's like, my shoulder's not great, man. Similar to the Aljo uh, sugar fight, Aljo's like, they announced it. I, I, I would really like some time off and heal. Like, no, this is what's happening. So Aljo's like, all right, let's do it. You know, ho hopefully I can figure this out. I think Cejudo's injury was so bad. He was like, there's no way. There's just no way. So I think it's a little bit on both sides to blame there. You know, I think the UFC announced it too fast. Um, who knows who, how bad Henry Cejudo's fight was. He says his shoulder's really bad. He says it's a 50% tear. If you were to go through camp, he thinks he'd tear it fully, and then he'd probably have to retire. So I get both sides. I get both sides. I talked to Cheeto uh, on Sunday about it. You know, he's like, shit happens, sucks. He's like, live and learn. Hopefully they find somebody else. He wants Peter Yan. Yeah, I would say everything what made sense about that, except that Henry said, yeah, but I'd like Peter Yan or so-and-so mm -hmm. after. Like, he had that whole statement about this and that, and, but then you give us two opponents that are ranked higher than Vera, which tells me that you didn't want somebody ranked where Vera was at. Yeah. Like, that's, that's, the, that's where he tells his truth, is the thing. It's like, my shoulder hurts too much for Vera, but if we can get Aljamain Sterling or oh, Peter Yan my shoulder doesn't hurt as bad. We can make this work. I can, I can make this work. So now this is what I was trying to make. Like one of the questions I got is, Hey Dom, you're on the undercard on the, on you're on like the fight past prelims undercard, like fighting Casey Kenny at the apex. Like you're a former world champion. Why would they do that to you? Well, it's not about them doing it to me. It's about me choosing that slot because it's the most seen slot on the card because it's right before the main card. And I wanted to get put in front of the most eyes. It was about facing somebody that was a southpaw to prepare for the rest of the division to be a world mm -hmm. champion. It was about giving somebody from Tucson a shot against a former champion and see what he can do as well because he's from my hometown. And it was about taking a chance and seeing if I'm a real fighter or not. It's not just about getting title shot. It's about seeing what I can learn from these experiences, from being way behind, from being way injured. And some, nobody said I could do this again, again for the third time. And here I am again facing this guy. How much risk and how much pressure is it for me to lose versus Casey Kenny on that fight? Yep. I had to bite that. I had to put my ego aside to be on that position. I had to, you know, you have to be able to do these things if you want to be the best. You're down and to you, do the work. You're down to do, you the work. to do the work. You got to build the division. That's building the division. Giving the Casey Kenny's a shot is building the division. Uh, giving the guys, you know, me facing Vera was giving, building the division. The way I look at it is I'm going to face Vera now or I'm going to face him later. So I might as well just fight him now as a main event, get ready for the next title shot after. Yep. Each fight is a preparation for the next fight unless you're just trying to scapegoat stuff and get gotcha. what's best for you. And yep. The way I see Henry is he. some fights are worth it for his shoulder and some aren't. So how do you decide that? Who's how do you decide who's good enough for you and who isn't? Well, it's up to the UFC to make those choices. So I got the same fight offer he did. And I took a Casey Kenny fight earlier than that. And then I took a Pedro Munoz fight earlier than that. 
both on undercards, by the way, not on a main card that they're trying to put him on. Savage. Then they put, then I take the fight with Vera. So I'm not saying to spray. I'm saying that, look, we can't even get this guy to take one. Yeah. He's been out this whole time. He gets a title shot. And now then after that, after the title shot, they didn't drop him to the bottom of the line. They're going to give him a, a ranked opponent in the top five. Big name. I had to pick a guy that wasn't even ranked yeah, on man. the undercard yep. as a two-time world champion on the prelims. Yep. So let's not forget what the matchmakers do to certain guys and not to others. And it's okay, but also I chose it. I chose that route. I chose to say yes is yep. what I'm trying to tell you. I chose yes. to say yes to Keith Kenny. I chose to say yes to Pedro Munoz. I chose to say yes to Vera because I wanted to build back up from the bottom of the ladder to the top and show it can be done even after I've done it twice already. Yep. I was close. I didn't make it all the way there. That last fight. Close though. I got man. a stinger in that fight and got hurt. But the bottom line is I'm still there. I'm still in the top 10. Right so who would, I have, who would I have to fight next? These are the questions. So when we're talking about Henry, I'm just like, I'm cool. I, I get being hurt. I have a hurt shoulder now. I'm in the same boat. We both have a reconstructed shoulder, our yeah. right shoulders reconstructed. We both had surgery. I thought Henry in the pandemic, while the borders were closed, right three months after my shoulder surgery for the world title, he had a full camp for Jose Aldo. I took that fight and it was great. But the bottom line is now it's like, then he retires, sits out three years, like build the division, give some fights to these other guys. That's what this position is about, about being champion. It's That's not about job. I'm the best and now I'm going to leave. Yep. And I'm going to give all the responsibility to whoever's second best. And now the division's dead because of you. Like yep. stay in there, build it, keep grinding, put your, put, your, put your legacy on the line if you're really as good as you think you are. Go fight, Vera. Go fight, Casey Kenny. Go fight, Pedro Munoz. Yep. Before you get that top three slot, Go build the division. Be a champion. Yeah, that's a great point. Have, have they given you any rumblings when you're going to be back in the octagon? Like I just said, I can also get Henry because my shoulders also hurt. I shot it with some stem cells. Yeah. I'm in the, I retore it after the verified. So yeah. I, I have the verified. I'm training. Boom. Here my retear an infraspinatus, which is a, a rotator cuff tendon in the back of the shoulder, which is before I had reconstructed my body tendon and my supraspinatus so those are two of the three now i tore the one in the back oh, partial so there's a partial tear it's not all the way so you shoot with stem cells you hope that it heals it up you do the rehab i'm in the rehab phase now and then i start training and when i start training if the shoulder works or it doesn't that's when i'll know and that's when and you then, say hey let's start looking for something here yeah take your time so that's now. why when, when they go dom what are you doing you're like man i'm rehabbing my shoulder when it gets strong i'm gonna try it I'm going to go into camp. I'm going to give it everything I got. But then, you know, that's why you have leaders. Your leaders are going to say, Dom, we can't have you three days on, three days off because your shoulder's shutting down. Correct. we got to just have you seven days on. If you can't do that, we're, we're not going to, I'm not going to, Eric will say, I'm not going to, we're not booking this. Like you got to be, yeah, you got to be hundred percent healthy. I'm not. So these are all things that I'm sure Henry's going through as well. And then he's got to chalk it out. Like, do I want to go in there with this partially hurt shoulder to fight a champion? Or do I want to go in there with this partially hurt shoulder to fight a Casey Kenny or a Pedro Munoz in the top 10? He's saying, well, for a title fight, it's worth it. But all you other guys, it's not. No, you don't. That's not how this that's works. That's how it works. Yeah, I get no, it. Because I'm going to have to fight somebody in the top 10 and my shoulder's in the same status. And I'm not over here whining about it. Yep. It's just what it's going to be. I get it, brother. That's why I want your insight on it. Well, you're the best, man. I appreciate you doing it, brother. You're one of my favorites to talk to. 
You're the absolute best, man. Go crush it this week. And uh, we'll be hitting you up, harassing you, and come back on, man. You're the best. Thanks for the talk, buddy. Appreciate it, brother. Good to see you, man. Later. Later, dog.